Have you ever heard of a farmer of people? Do you think there could be such a thing as a people farmer? A farmer for fish? Well, there are farmers for fish. There are farmers for sheep. There are farmers for goats. There are farmers for camels. There are farmers for all sorts of things, from asparagus to apples. But there are very few people farmers in the world. There's one. He wears a yellow hat. He's behind me. Would you please give a very warm welcome to the world's first, best, and only people farmer, Mr. Stephen Ritz! Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I'm going to open with a short video, if you will. Oh, please, Paul, stay, stay, stay. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down a, here. I'll sit down with here. a short video. Out of darkness came the most incredible light and the legacy of my son and countless other students that I've had to bury far too young, which will far exceed their time on this earth. We are the poorest congressional district in America. That's an economic reality. You have 45,000 people living within eight square blocks of each other, and healthy, fresh food is not available. For so many, food is the problem. But for all of us, food is the answer. In a hundred-year-old building, four stories up, I am wrapping schools, teachers, and children around a garden. Kids can't wait to see what's growing. They can't wait to measure what's growing. They can't wait to eat what's growing and cook what's growing and grow more and talk about it and share it with their family, friends, and colleagues and integrate it into their classroom work. When you see kids who are happier and healthier, you can't help but be caught up with that. We grow food in school. We track it. We measure it. We date it. And if you expand their palates and their vocabularies, you expand their mind. This work is about giving life, creating life, perpetuating life. We are a whole school approach to education rooted in health, wellness, and mindfulness. The work has definitely evolved, and we are growing something greater. I go from a box to a garden in 45 minutes. My classroom is hosting people from 60 countries around the world. Six continents. How cool is that? Our grades are up. Our attendance is up. Our school performance is up. You put a seed in a child's hand and you're promising them that's a plant. And they bet on that. So these children are betting on their future. Of all the plants I've grown, the greatest crop has been my students themselves. That's cool. All righty. So hello, UAE. And thank you for having me here for the love of words. Uh, we are readers, which is totally cool, and I salute you. And if anything here resonates with you, you know that you are in the right room here with me for the love of words. We're experts. We're passionate people. Some of us are foodies. Some of us are farmers. Some of us are futurists. But we are not nerds. No, we are not. We and you guys up front are our superheroes. And while other people talk, 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 not us. We make epic happen through the power of words and through the simple art of let me tell you a story. So in a world that has gone from instruction-based to kind of project-based, a world of uniformity, if you will, to diversity in a place where we once had prescription and we are now about profession, we are moving from delivered wisdom to user-generated wisdom to co-creation. And to me, that is so exciting. The work that we do literally is lifting and moving the world. 
Um, and if you've ever sat in front of a classroom full of kids or been one of these children in a room, you know that authors change lives. We collectively understand the power of me, the power of machines, the power of many, and the power of flow. That image, growth, collaboration, and best practices result in service, supply, collaboration, and benefits that change the world locally and internationally, which is awesome sauce. We're here celebrating things across cultural, economic, technological, environmental, and for me, most importantly, our own personal health and wellness. So in a world that is becoming increasingly more globalized, more automated, oops, and definitely climate challenged, storytellers, books, readers, leaders, and authors, they are the gatekeepers of equity and opportunity. They are those who are bringing light to some of the biggest problems facing the world. And most importantly, they're also the ones illuminating the great solutions that we're all going to create together that literally change the world. So my story is one of being a farmer. And when you think of farmers, you think of traditional things and traditional people that look like this. But I'm a little bit of an urban farmer and I do nutty things that look like this and kind of dream of the future and even think that, wow, Imagine a world where we can grow meat in a test tube. And the coolest thing about authors and readers and leaders is that they are the only people in the world who can literally calculate the miles to plate and food imprint of all that we do. So when you think about food in the world we live in, I like to talk about whether it's resources, carbon footprint, or money in the bank. Food shifts matter, and authors put the culture Back in agriculture, I like to say, because we are living in a world of abundance, as I tell my students every day, and it's my job to make sure that everybody has a perfect plate of food on their plate, no matter where you live. So for me, when it becomes a revolutionary act to eat real food, we are all in trouble. Now, the cool thing about science is it's true, whether you believe it or not. So I'm very into science, I'm kind of a geek, and we've got lots of work to do. So here's a shovel and let's dig in. For those of you who don't know, I am from New York, New York City. This little slice of heaven, the South Bronx is my home, right there. It's home to some amazing tourist attractions. Let me tell you all about them. 40% of the city's garbage, right there. A sewage treatment plant, 100% of the Bronx's garbage right there. A sewage pelletizing plant, four electrical power plants, and 60,000 diesel trucks a week. Right there, welcome to the neighborhood. These pictures were taken four blocks from my K-12 school. Breathe deep. Let's have a picnic, shall we? And nothing like a brisk walk in a toxic neighborhood on your way to school in the morning. No bank and no public library. It's no wonder my students and my community are literally the canaries in the coal mine. So I am affectionately known as El Capitan de los Pollitos, the captain of the crazy little chickens. I have 785 in a pre-K to 5 school, 950 in a K to 12 school, and 275 in a second opportunity high school where the average age freshman is 17 years old. But what am I? I'm a resident. I live there. I'm a parent. I'm also the oldest sixth grader you'll ever meet. So watch out, guys. It's really cool in the K-5 school because I have a driver's license and I can do long division in my head. But I kind of have this fundamental belief that people should not have to leave their neighborhood to live, learn, and earn in a better one. And along the way, what have I been seeing in my 30 years of teaching? Children are getting fatter. They're getting way fatter. They're getting sicker. The emergency room has become the primary source of health care in countries around the world. 
to think that 75% of the children I see labeled learning disabled would not be simply if their parents had good access to prenatal nutrition is unbelievable to me. Now, the reality of my community is right there. Welcome to my neighborhood, a very different place than here in Dubai. And New York, New York, arguably the second greatest city in the world next to the one that I'm visiting today. So let's put it out there. Five short miles and six long degrees of separation come between that New York and my New York, a city that looks like this. 45,000 people in eight square blocks. No supermarket, boys and girls, no GameStop either. Uh, we have the highest grossing dominoes per square foot in America. It is 18 blocks to the subway. We are an enclave onto ourselves. The train that goes through this neighborhood, six minutes or seven, six minutes to Manhattan or 17 to Westchester, doesn't even stop. It uh, just goes right through. We have some of the highest rates of families in homeless shelters and single parent families in the nation. 37% of the residents are food insecure, and child poverty is at an all-time low in New York City since the millennium. It is down. It is down to 8% in New York City. It is an all-time low in the South Bronx right now, too. A staggering 59%. And while I am an educator and New York City is celebrating record high school graduation rates of 78%, in the South Bronx, we've got a staggering, it's never been higher either, a staggering 32%. Welcome to the neighborhood. Two sides of the tracks, I say, tough and tougher. To think that this is a cradle I saw on a home visit in the United States, to me, is wholly unacceptable. The cradle of inequality is really the inequality of the cradle, so to speak. This is what my children see going to school every day. And with playgrounds and community parks that look like this, let's move get out there and have fun, really? So simply put, I'm not willing to accept the things I can't change. I'm going to change what I can't accept. And for me, it all starts with seed. So I am, as Paul said, a people farmer. I grow people. I also grow plants. Some days I want to grow this, put the students in the ground like the plants too. But let me tell you a little bit about my students. 100% of my students are either English language learners, special needs, adjudicated youth, foster care, or homeless. Now you may say, oh my God. But for me, to move those children into paradigms of success represents something that benefits everybody. And remarkably, in the middle of the South Bronx, what do I do? I grow plants in the back of my classroom. The cool thing about plants, no poop to scoop, no floaters at the top of the tank, and nothing that eats their young. And if you pick the right plants, they basically grow themselves, which is pretty cool. Um, remarkably, my students got so into it, we picked up block after block of blacktop in the middle of the South Bronx to start growing farms. And that's when I realized that I wanted to make sure that my reach forever exceeded my grasp. And when I learned that I could grow plants on walls instead of on the ground, I was like, wow, this is the coolest technology in the world. And I literally brought it into a classroom, gave birth to the first edible classroom in all of the United States. And ladies and gentlemen, that's my harvest. That's what I grow with children in school. Now, what's cool about that is not only is that a ticket to good health, it's also a license to print money in a community that has limited means and limited access to it. And you'll see right here, these are my heirloom students making heirloom sauce, putting the food into the cafeteria. We started learning about all kinds of technology. And believe it or not, I teach in one school that has no windows. Now, it was okay for students to go to school with no windows and get no sunlight, but it wasn't okay for the plants. So we had to figure out 21st century solutions, LED lighting, things that could change the way people interacted with the world. And for me, the greening of America and the greening of the world really starts with opportunity, paycheck. 
And these are people making money. This right here is the youngest nationally certified workforce in America on top of the Bronx County Courthouse with our Bronx Borough President. Statistically, four out of 10 of these young people wind up going out of the basement in handcuffs before the age of 18. Here they are celebrating on top with the roof that they made. So for me, when you can take children from the poorest congressional district in America and connect them to wealth and opportunity and install landscape that looks like this that changes the world for living wage, it's game changing. So much so that the following summer, my students and I moved into the Hamptons and we started putting in green walls and green roofs and designing things that literally changed the world. But it was this guy right here who figured out, my friend Jim, a local landlord and construction owner, saying that your farmers, Steve, are really going to be great employees. And we started taking over this amazing resource that we have in the South Bronx. It's called Abandoned Buildings. You may be hearing about how the South Bronx is coming back. And literally, we started doing jobs and being trained and things that no one could outsource and take away from us. And for me, this young man, the first in three generations to have a bank account, to open a bank account, that's awesome sauce. That's a ticket to democracy, to citizenship. This young man from Africa, oh, Mr. Ritz, I love the technology. Yes, he does, because he used to walk for hours a day gathering water. Now he's one of my best installers. Um, he's actually featured in the book. And when you can reclaim communities like this, it's no wonder CNN came down to visit me. I like to say it's unbelievable which sounds corny, my play on words, but my students get paid living wage to take care of landscape in neighborhoods like this, where traditionally, if they showed up, someone would be dialing 911. So it is win, win, and win. But when my students from the poorest congressional district in America could design, build, and install a green wall that looks like this and put it in the heart of Rockefeller Center, the most expensive retail strip in New York City, that's what we call in the South Bronx a si se puede moment. I like to say it's scholastic, and there I am pushing a wall of Pico de Gallo right down Broadway. Bears noting I'm now on the board of Scholastic too. So anything can happen, and that's my story. When the Bronx Borough President and State Senator come to my class, it's proof that the Bronx can change attitudes now, and we're out to change America now. I have students who have installed over 100 gardens across New York City for handicapped adults, which is awesome. But it was this group of children right here that really changed my life and changed the trajectory of all the work that I do, because more than half of them were homeless. And they started taking the money that they made to support orphanages and tsunami victims and Doctors Without Borders and Operation Smile all around the world. And that's when we realized that we, there was something green for everybody. And we gave birth to the Green Bronx Machine. We started stranding out every aspect of our lives and seeing how it related to school. So in this age of STEM, 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 STEM education, I like to say in the South Bronx, we are cooking with steam. And what is the a stand for? Well, the A for me stands for art because I want everybody to get out there and be artistic. Whatever your passion is, pursue it. What else does the A stand for? It stands for aspiration because I want children to grow up to be who they want to be not who they have to be. And for me, the last A stands for advocacy because on my shift, all lives matter, and I will be a voice for the voiceless. Hey, I see somebody in a cheese hat um, until they learn to speak for themselves. So in my community, we have a lot of garbage. So one of the things we do is we prototype it. We make furniture. The kids do all the work. I get all the credit. Adults in the room, good system. Trust me, they do the work. You get the credit. We started mapping out, mapping out where we lived and started looking at our community. And ladies and gentlemen, this is my K-12 school is right in between this school sign and this school sign. 
not a very attractive place to live. It is a tough place to live when the lights go down. So the students started dreaming and drawing. They said, what if, imagine if we had a park in the middle of the street and we started advocating and getting aspirational. We broke ground and two years later, this is the new South Bronx. Welcome to the neighborhood. We even, the coolest thing is where there were no businesses, there is now business after business after business. We even have butterflies. I don't know how they got to the South Bronx, but it is awesome sauce. Uh, it must have been a Snapchat moment. So for me, I am a school educator and ABCDs count, but this is the new ABCDs for me, asset-based community development, because teaching children to count is cool, but teaching them what counts is so much more important. And everybody in our neighborhood benefits when we take buildings and turn them from this to this. And the amazing thing is we did just that and Disney came to visit me right in the middle of the South Bronx. Hi, I'm Steve Ritz and I'm a science teacher from the South Bronx. And where I teach, kids have no access to locally grown fresh and affordable vegetables. My kids didn't even know where vegetables came from. So I started teaching my students how to grow their own food and they loved it. Before long, we started the Green Bronx Machine. And lo and behold, in the South Bronx, we started a food revolution. Gardeners like these are spreading the word about fresh vegetables and feeding our own community at the same time. Here we are, 30,000 pounds of vegetables later. We've got veggies popping up in every corner of the city. We found out we could grow food almost anywhere. Under bridges, on walls, in classrooms. And look, right here, four stories up, we're grown without soil. It's called hydroponics, and not only is it really cool, it's great for the environment. Our kids have learned how to build edible walls. What could be more cool than a wall full of food? Our motto is, si se puede. That means, yes, we can. And you can, too. Si se puede. Si se puede. Makes me want to go out and plant something right now. Those guys are so fired up, yeah. So next time you bite into a carrot, remember how much fun it can be to garden in new ways. It's bound to put a smile on your face when you pass the plate. So past the plate is cool, but I never expected to be on Disney. In fact, I never really heard about it, but Disney kind of turned me into a little bit of a celebrity. And the amazing thing that I learned through that process is how much children are watching TV, whether it's rich children or poor children. And I realized children around the world were paying attention. So I decided to shift my work and start working with younger children, young children like many of you in this room, because when you start them young with the age of wonder and inquiry, you put them on a trajectory of good growth. And imagine putting good habit on top of good habit at this young age instead of unpacking bad ones. And in a neighborhood that was once known as Fort Apache, the South Bronx, the only teepees you're seeing now are the ones we're building, celebrating Native American History Month. And without a food stamp or a fingerprint, my students and their families are feeding themselves, which is glorious. Behold the glory and bounty that is Bronx County. That's our new schoolyard. So for me, it's no more little Yankees and little or little athletes. I want little mushrooms and little broccolis. I want children agitating and aggregating around things that are good for them. I want every child, no matter where they live, to know what healthy food is, how to grow it, what it looks like. And when Jose can pay attention to cucumbers like this and Omar and Henry can tell me that carrots come from under the ground instead of from a Ziploc bag with a woman saying yes or aisle nine in the supermarket, those are the kind of victories I love. Because children will never be well-read 
if they're not well fed. And for all of you who have sports cars, you wouldn't put vinegar in the gas tank. So for me, when my children are getting three meals a day in school, I want them to have access to the healthiest fuel, the healthiest nutrition. Eating across the rainbow is not a bag of Skittles. It is healthy, fresh food, and you see how children respond to it in remarkable ways. Happy faculty, happy students. We are literally sending home groceries every other week in the South Bronx. And then I started partnering with grandparents because we want more grandparents in school. Because when grandma comes to school in the South Bronx, it is game on. I'll leave it at that. And we start registering voters, teaching computer literacy, doing all kinds of advocacy. I have big children teaching little children how to shop, how to use their food stamps. And we're doing it interculturally, interracially, and intergenerationally. So in the South Bronx, we are growing much more than food. We are growing justice. On top of the trains, we're growing pumpkins. We get to eat them. For the rich and affluent, we're installing koi ponds. But these are my children of the corn. Not horror students, but kids who are generating awareness about food. We're looking at ways of creating prototypes of upcycling that are generating food-producing entities around the world. So I don't expect every child or every teacher to be a farmer. No, no, no. But I expect them to read about it, write about it, do the math, and be engaged and involved. And man, oh man, are they. In a data-driven society, we've moved attendance from 40% to 93% attendance with 100% graduation rates. I'm thrilled to say we've partnered towards 2,200 local jobs in the middle of the we South Bronx. We are right outside my school. Welcome to the neighborhood. I am dean of students at a school here in the South Bronx. We're flooded with cheap options. The 99-cent menu here, the 99-cent menu there. Right here on this street in this very restaurant where my wife and I got the motivation to help change kids' lives. Good morning, everybody. Have a great day. And it starts with classrooms. It starts with education. We're trying to teach kids where their food comes from and how they can grow themselves into a whole new paradigm of health, success, opportunity. It smells good, right? It smells like plants. It smells healthy. That is a vertical wall where you could plant vegetables. Classrooms are changing, kids are changing, waistlines are changing. Block by block, we're changing the way people think about the places they live and what they want to be in life. And for these kids in this community, that's transformational. What are we going to do with these plants? We're going to... The eyes of the future are looking back at us, and they're demanding that we get this right. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You're not going to stop me. No, you're not going to stop me. That's the kids. That's the food. That's the cafeteria. It gets delivered locally. No sneakers or precious tennis shoes get ruined on my farm. The basketball court coexists with the farm in Blackfield, Brownfield, Toxic Wastefield. We're proving in the South Bronx that we can grow food efficaciously and profitably. Our flower sales put big sales to shame in ways that make so much sense. Um, and this is the glory and bounty that is Bronx County. You see, because for me, when you teach children about nature, you teach them to nurture. And when we teach children to nurture, we as a society collectively embrace our better nature. We put it in a pot and we cook it all up. Because for me, business as usual is no longer an option. Around the world, it is no longer us versus them. It has become us versus ourselves and we are eating ourselves to death. We don't need more food. We don't need cheap food. We need better food for more people. And my students and I are proving that if you grow it and put it out there and sell it, people will come. We're looking at all kinds of paradigms for growing food. And the remarkable thing, as I like to say, is 60,000 pounds of vegetables later. My favorite crop, 
These are organically grown citizens, graduates, members of the middle class, children who are going to college in a community that's cleaner than it ever looked. So we take lots that look like this and convert them to this, freestanding entities that generate food, opportunity, health, wealth, from a movement, I say, to a market that builds value for all. That's my story, the power of a plant, because I don't care what city you're from or where you're from. I like to believe that everybody is dedicated to making health a quality or reality for all. So I don't see walls, despite uh, some certain political people talking about them. I see places to grow food, to create opportunity, because for me, education and choice is the critical lever in the 21st century. Around the world, we're taking buildings that look like this and turning them into food factories that look like this, generating opportunity for all. Because when you teach children to take ownership of where they live, they do just that. So I'm here with a lot of energy today. I hope you all plug in and use it because my motto is simple. It's called cultivate, propagate, and replicate. I want to show you five days in the life of a seed. I will show you five days in the life of my students. We show up, we grow up, we measure. That is five days worth of growth. That's 25 days later. That's a lot of lettuce in your stomach or cabbage in your pockets. I like to say we're Bronx proud in farming and you know it, but together we're making we a difference. We are in the South Bronx, the poorest congressional district in America. So to be able to be part of the revitalization of this community is everything I've ever aspired to do. Who knew we could get kids to come to school for the privilege of farming? 100% of the students who come to us are either dropouts already or they're on the way to dropping out. Our kids show up because it's fun. The way he does it, he's stern. If you want to have fun, if you want to be part of this program, you also have to produce in other subjects. The real life applications of this program transcend all level of academics. There's reading, writing, math, science. And the light at the end of the tunnel is a job. We're growing food. They're working in kitchens. They're working in supermarkets. They're buying, grading, and rating produce. They're aspiring to be chefs in restaurants, creating food and dishes they never imagined. I started going to school more, and things started getting more interesting because of this program. And now I am building green walls and green roofs all over the globe. Other states and even other countries are looking to Bronx kids to train them in the technology that Steve has trained our kids. I'm not willing to accept the things I can't change. I'm going to change the things I can't accept. We're starting through Steve Ritz to tell the new Bronx story. We're no longer the borough that just made it. We're the borough that's leading the way. And I am the luckiest man on the planet. So I'm here sharing my passion with you. For me, it's remarkable because I've literally been able to take this mission and this passion around the world, even recently at the United Nations, um, to think that I've taken it across the United States and not too long ago, even into the mountains of Colombia. And given the relationship between the South Bronx and Colombia in the 70s and 80s and 90s, to think that I can make the front page of a Colombian newspaper for growing vegetables is proof that the past does not equal the future and that anything is possible. So parents and students and children and everybody in the room, I urge you to stay out of places that look like this because I am not anti-business, but I am anti an extraction economy, things that take the health, wealth, and opportunity from one community and extract it and leave death, disease, and disease in its wake. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not food, as cool as it may look, this is not food. 
Input equals output. So what you put in affects your brain, and we need to understand that. So I urge everybody to model a healthy plate, vegetate children. You know, there are a lot of food allergies in the world, but I have never met a child that is allergic to money. So please teach children about entrepreneurship. Expose them to business. Let them understand what it means to sow a harvest. And most importantly, love them. Because the work that I do and the work that I hope to spread is rooted in one thing, and that is called love. And no one will go broke giving love. So get out there. In the United States, we have these terrible problems with abandoned schools that are becoming charter schools, public schools, private schools. And to think that my students take buildings like this and turn them into freestanding food entities that look like this. So the eyes of the future are looking back at us and they are demanding that we get this right. And for me, that's so exciting because despite the controversy in my country these days, my goal is to go from a nation of red states and blue states to the United States of green states living eloquently and ecologically in line with Mother Nature. Because when you strand out the biggest obstacles in the United States today, it is education and the environment. And for me, simply put, it is easier to raise healthy children than to fix broken men. And that's the work that I love to do daily because I believe ideas like this can change the world. And people change lives. Teachers change lives. Readers change lives. And authors change lives. My name is Stephen Ritz, and I am CEO, Chief Eternal Optimist of Bronx County. We're going to actually grow our own lunch. We're going to grow our own food today. We're going to go from seed to plate. A towel garden is like this plant, but you don't need soil. And then the water comes up, and then it comes down and rain on the roots. Adults think, you can't farm in the South Bronx. Tell it to these kids. They're farming. For so many... Food is the problem. Yet for all of us, food is a solution. We have some of the highest rates of juvenile diabetes and juvenile obesity in the nation. And we can change that. We absolutely have the power to change schools in this generation. I think I still see the seed. That, that happens. Exactly. You mean I can pass it around and they can see the seed absolutely. in the plant? My job is to teach kids how we can grow food. And I'm asking everyone to roll up their sleeves and get a little dirty and grow something greater. He lets us plant stuff like salad, cucumbers, tomatoes. My fourth and fifth graders came into a classroom with no windows to build a tower garden and literally turned it into a farm. And we talked about how healthy food builds healthy minds and healthy bodies. And where are we doing it? Right here in school. So did everybody plant a seed? The excitement and the joy that these little kids feel putting a seed in the ground and watching it blossom. OMG, as they say, this is their moment. I think he cares about us a lot and he wants us to learn and have fun at the same time. I'm not a farmer, but I'm planting. I'm planting seeds. He always says that seeds are like people because they need love and they grow and grow and grow to be successful people. To use 21st century technology to generate food and to create this beautiful thing to sit by that you can actually eat is game changing. It's empowering. They're growing. The plants are growing and they're responsible for it. And when they know they can grow their own, they really start changing the way they see their relationship to the world and their place in it. Oh my God. Wait, you want to eat it? 
Now, this video was filmed in 2013 and has been seen more than 3 million times. But my favorite thing about this is that in 2017, every child in this video was inducted into the National Junior Honor Society Hall of Fame in New York City. Those little fourth graders that you saw, you see, they got so fired up that they farmed their way right into the White House, into the White House kitchen. We actually cook with the White House chef in the South Bronx who comes to visit us once a month using the food that we grow in school. I like to say from hope to the Pope. I even got to meet Pope Francis, which was awesome sauce. Um, so that's my story, the power of a plant. It inspired me to do something even bigger, to take over the most dysfunctional school in all of New York City, because I believe the problem is the solution and that I created the National Health, Wellness and Learning Center so we can change the way we eat, live and learn. We redesigned classrooms to go from impossible to I'm possible. And in the first year, we reduced behavioral incidents and had a class time by over 50%. Now, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So we focused on five critical indicators of school success and moved them from developing to proficient. In year two, we saw a 45% increase school-wide on state tests. And just this past year, a school that was rated failing and stated to be closed is now rated proficient and well-developed in every area. We just made the cover of Time magazine, and I couldn't be more honored to be called an American who tells the truth by the world-famous artist and author Robert Shetterly. Because for me, the greatest natural resource in the world is the untapped potential living in marginalized communities. But for me, my students are going home with 100 bags of groceries a week. We've created a whole green line for success. And I'm in the process of sending the first cohort of children from the South Bronx to the world famous Bronx High School of Science. Because zip code and skin color should not determine outcomes in life. Access to education should. So we have our own curriculum. We're turnkeying it around the world. It's absolutely game-changing to think that a guy who just put some seeds in the ground could do all of this. It's even been accepted by the United Nations. Um, there's the New York State Department of Ed Chancellor, Dr. Betty Rosa, celebrating our success. And to think that I've now spread to 6,000 classrooms across the United States and around the world is mind-numbing. And it starts with just a crazy teacher with another crazy teacher, a couple of plants, and before you know it, that's what we do. We're taking over abandoned big-box retail to create million-dollar entities, creating healthy, fresh food. Um, that is really changing the way people do business. We're net zero, so we're using reclaimed air conditioning water, which is perfect here for the UAE. Um, we're growing state-of-the-art food around the world with a whole new economy because, for me, the option is not one more doo-doo burger. We don't need another doo-doo burger. So that's my story, the power of a plant. You know, there are those who say opportunity is nowhere, but I think inside there is a much more relevant message. Opportunity is now here, and this is our moment to build value for all, because ideas like these are literally going to change the world. So it's not easy being green. Kermit the Frog. 45 years ago, this guy jumped on the set, and no one even knew who he was or if he'd stick around. But 45 years later, this guy is like an international icon. He has his own TV show. So I say, all of us in the room, we're just these little tadpoles swimming around, trying to make sense of our lives. But 
Embrace the words and take a big green leap. Embrace your inner frog. That's what I've done. It's been remarkable. I'm growing food and growing children all around the world. That was the U.S. State Department coming to visit my classroom in the South Bronx. They usually don't show up for these kind of plants. And for me, it starts with the little ones. It starts with planting seeds and spending time with children because I want every child in America and around the world to know where their food comes from what it looks like, and remarkably, my students who had no access to clean air and clean water are getting it by growing food. So we've started a movement. Recently, I was on the Today Show showing you how it's entirely possible to eat your way into good health. And this, believe it or not, is a classroom in the South Bronx. This is not Photoshop. This is 24 days growing food from consumers to producers. And when I tell students, if you put a penny in the ground and 60 days later had a $5 bill, who wouldn't want that? So that's what we do to think that we are working smarter, not harder, is what this movement is all about. And I like to say that my students and I have created a whole new recipe for success, our own personal Sesame Street. This is a handmade video by one of my students showing what life is like in my classroom. And for me, the most beautiful thing is literally to watch life unfold in front of you and then to either eat it or sell it and do it all over again. But look at that. That is the beauty of a seed well planted. That is a child growing something greater. And that is the story that I'm so proud and pleased to share with you. Um, so my motto is easy, design, build, and transform because social sustainability is at the heart of innovation and living wage. Um, so that together we can all prosper, win, win, and win. To think that my students and I have designed technology for some of the poorest neighborhoods in America that is net positive on food and energy is so cool. President Clinton came to visit. I even got to meet him and give him a bow tie myself, which was awesome. To think that a teacher could be a finalist in the Global Teacher Prize and they could put me on the cover of innovation and technology when I have a VCR at home that flashes 12 o'clock in a car with roll-up windows means there's hope for anybody. I even got to have lunch with Anthony Bourdain, and if that was cool. I got to meet Oprah when she showed up. My knees shook. So my story is rather remarkable because I myself have gone from impossible to I'm possible because six years ago when Michelle Obama was speaking about childhood nutrition, I stood outside the White House and that blue shirt, that was me, was this shirt here and this shirt no longer fit me. So uh, I got inspired by Mrs. Obama, and I went on to be a champion of change at the White House, and so can you, to think that my students and I were frequent visitors at the past administration. I'm working on this one, and I promise to speak some sense to him when I get there, and to get a call from the president, and to be featured at the White House, and be cited by President Obama as one of the leading advocates for changing the world, and be invited to South by South Lawn, and put a farm in the back it was so cool. It's what I call a si se puede moment. Because the past does not have to equal the future. And that's a story we all want to tell. That's a story worth sharing. This was where I grew up. These are my childhood pictures. That's my childhood me. Now it's nothing more than a picture on my wall, and my life has become better than ever. My students and I have won Maker Fair after Maker Fair after Maker Fair. And so where am I going next? I have no idea, but I'll do it with a cheese hat on my head. And remarkably, I found myself here in Dubai because this is not a virtual image. 
This is actually the sustainable city. I'm so proud to be taking the innovation that we've done in the South Bronx to be bringing it here to you, to residents here, and partner with ESOL Education and my dear friend Walid Abu Chakra because we can grow something greater around the world that is just so happy to spread joy to all these children, no matter where I go, to infect teachers with a nutty sense of personality, to make the cover of the national and to be featured in Teach Middle East and Teach at Kudwa, and to be featured, it's just been game-changing for me. So I'm just so honored to be here. It literally has put me on top of the mountains, and there I am with the green cheek. And of course, I'm so honored and humbled that my dear friend, Dr. Abdullah Al-Karam, wrote in the book, blurb the book, and um, he's near and dear to me, as, as I know he is to you. And for me, the most important thing in the world are our children. And while people are focused on the graduating class of 2018, I stay focused on the graduating class of 2030 to raise up the next generation of healthy children. That young man over there with the hat who wants to be a wrestler, trust me, he is well-placed in my class. He and I have plenty to talk about, but these are happy children um, because the future Technology is not going to change the world. People are. So that together we can all prosper. Because I come from a place where we have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And in my lifetime, we've gone from this to this. And that, to me, is the most important thing. Because my goal is to make sure that every child and every person has an equal seat, an equal opportunity at the table. And in a world where big fish once ate little fish, I want all you little fish out there to outswim the big ones and be smart ones. Because for me, this is my favorite bulletin board in my school, to believe there is good in the world. And authors, readers, and leaders remind us every day to be the good in the world. And for you young people in the room, I want you to be the good in the room and good in the world. So we start in a place of truth. We go to good. We go to just and well-ordered. My story is a simple one. And make it prosperous. That is the beauty of the love of words, to tell a new story, a whole new narrative. So I urge you all to think boundlessly, work purposefully, live passionately, and make epic happen because everyone has the power for greatness. Not for fame, but for greatness. Because greatness is determined by service, and we can do that and change the world. So authors change lives. Si se puede. My name is Steve Ritz, and there are those who look at the world and ask, why, why, why? I simply say, why not? And if I can... You can. That's what it's all about. Get out there and reap a harvest. And remember, deep inside Earth is this amazing thing called art. I'm one guy growing food in a dark room. And how we walk with the wounded speaks far louder than how we sit with the great. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Stephen Ritz. I grow vegetables. My vegetables grow students, communities, and schools. And I'm just so honored to be here, and I believe our kids are going to change the world. So whatever you do, get out there and smell the flowers. Take time to smell the roses. Make epic happen. And see, se puede. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you kindly. Thank you for joining me today. We don't have long. Lots of information. How many of you here do grow vegetables? How many of you have grown flowers, grown vegetables, put a seed in the ground and seen it grow? So good. This is who you're talking to. Well, thank they you kindly, stuff. and thank you for being here. I can't sit on a stage with the great Stephen Ritz and not ask a couple of questions of Please, my own. please. It's what I do. You make it look simple, but can we go back to, I'm going to ask one question at the end, beginning of the story and one at the end. How did you, when was that moment of realization when you suddenly thought, this is what I've got. I've got these kids. I've got no resources. Failing school, failing parents, failing children. 
you're the teacher, you're responsible. You can see the potential of these young people going to waste. When did the idea thought come to when you thought you could put a seed in the ground and that something might come of it? It's very funny because I have no agricultural background, no science background, um, none at all whatsoever. I inherited a group of children who came to me out of prison. Um, who got out of prison early and put out like this help call that I need help, I need resources, someone send me something, microscopes, computers, laptops, anything that would engage children. Someone, I got this huge call from the principal's office one day, Mr. Ritz, come to the office. And I go scurrying down to the office and there's this huge box. And I'm like, yes, the kid on Christmas morning, my prayers have been answered. In front of the principal's secretary, I open up this box and inside are onions. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? This is awful. These children are going to take these onions and throw them at me. So I carried the box out of the principal's office, put it behind the radiator, left it there. And when, you know, six weeks later, there was a fight in class. A child reaches under the radiator for a weapon. And instead, hundreds of flowers fall out because they weren't onions. They were flower bulbs. Mm -hmm. And the flower bulbs got forced by the heat and the steam from the radiator and the sun from behind the window. And this little skinny kid pulls out this handful of flowers and starts waving it at this girl who was going to kill him. And that's what we call in the South Bronx a teachable moment. So that year, um, my students and I planted 25,000 bulbs across New York City. Um, all the, we got invited to go present at City Hall. It was really funny because everyone thought that these children were the honors program. Mm -hmm. um, they cleaned up well. And that's when we learned that we could grow something greater. By sheer accident and happen chance, about two years later, I was in a Whole Foods. I got invited to Whole Foods. I'd never been to a Whole Foods. Basically, the five food groups for me were the captain, the colonel, the king, the clown, and the other idiot on the corner serving pizza. Um, and went to Whole Foods and said, wow, this is beautiful. You can grow this. And the rest was history. That was it. That was it. It started with flowers, though. It started with ornamental plants and just trying to engage children into something greater. I still kill way more plants than I ever grow. Shh, I only this. take pictures of the good ones. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I only take pictures of the live ones. I, I thank God I'm growing people, not plants. So that's the starting point of the story. Thank you for sharing that story because that, when I read this book, that was that light bulb moment when you suddenly, and it's a wonderful image, kids trying to find a weapon, right. bunch of flowers. A bunch perfect. of flowers. So what's the end of the story? What brings you here to Dubai? What are you doing in Dubai? A nation of wealth, a nation of not known for its agriculture. What not you, yet. What are you bringing to Dubai? Not yet. So what am I bringing to Dubai? To Dubai? Passion, purpose, and hope. That is my secret sauce. And I believe that people around the world and children around the world should have access to healthy, fresh food. To think that we have the ability to grow food with 90% less water and 90% less space right here in Dubai, to me, is game-changing. I'm honored to be working with ESOL Education. I'm so delighted I'll be tomorrow at the Sustainable Cities. And I invite you all to come join me at Fairgreen International School, which is this, the leading school in the world with the smallest environmental footprint with the largest multiplier effect ever. So I'm and that's here in Dubai, yeah, Fairgreen actually, Yeah, Fairgreen here in Dubai. I'm actually building a replica of the National Health, Wellness, and Learning Center that I built in New York here in Dubai to inspire healthy living all around the world. And in a nation that does have excess, wouldn't it be great to see children starting to shed that excess baggage, that excess pounds, that excess blood sugar, and really take health and hold of their health and destiny? Because no child... Um, should be destined to a life of disease and premature death. 
And we can change that while creating paradigms that we can export around the world. So to me, Dubai is the center of the universe. And I'm just delighted to be here and, and share what I've learned with everybody in a culture that is known for innovation. Absolutely. The kids here have two advantages that some of the kids in South Bronx don't have. One, their parents love them. They brought them here today. So kids, put your hands together for your parents right now. Well done. They also have the advantage of a fantastic education system here, various grades, various stuff here in Dubai. What can you teach them? So what should they be doing? What I can teach them, I always say that for facts, there is Google. For skills, there is YouTube. But behind every successful child and every successful adult in the world, there is one kind, caring adult. And my goal is to be that kind, caring adult for as many children and colleagues as possible and to model empathy. Because at the end of the day, in the 21st century, what's going to build bridges and break down walls is compassion, empathy, and growing something greater. So my work is literally rooted in two things, uh, a human ecology and a planetary ecology. And uh, I believe that we live, no place exemplifies that more than Dubai, that we live in a world of abundance. And it's time that we share that and make that abundance equitable and accessible for all. And the fact that everybody in Dubai is virtually from somewhere else means we can take that seed and spread it and plant it all around the world. We also, when he said, follow, on, follow what he does on Twitter and Facebook and so on, because the chance is you kids here could team up with kids in the South Bronx and across the States and share your experience from here in Dubai with kids over there who have no idea what Dubai is or where it is. A that's a great, yeah, that's a very valid opportunity. You know, the here. internet is making the world so much more internet, intimate. Yeah. Imagine using social media, boys and girls, for good. Exactly. That's my big quest. Stephen's come here in person to talk to you. You can talk to the kids that Stephen teaches back in the States through the net. Do that. Right. Come, would you like to ask your own questions to Stephen? We have a little bit of time before we have to touch off. I'm going to get a picture of all of you, I'm so be prepared to stand up and cheer. And we're going to give to the, to the chap there who answered my first question, what is a farmer? You get the right to the first question, please. Why are you wearing a cheese hat? Good Great question. question. <laughs> Great question. So let me tell you about this cheese hat. I'm wearing the cheese hat because I'm the big cheese. Um, and literally, when I started farming many years ago, I, I, used to, I, I used to be called the big cheese because I was the dean of students. I was the lead administrator in the building, so I was the big cheese. I was also 320 pounds walking around with a slice of pizza all day eating too much cheese. So I started wearing a farmer's hat when I started farming with students. It was kind of like the joke. I became a school principal, went to my first administrator convention in Wisconsin, which is known as the cheese state, got off a plane, saw the first gift shop, and in this gift shop was this cheese hat. And I was like, aha, I'm going to really wear this cheese hat. Now, the coolest thing about this cheese hat is that I wore this cheese hat at the White House. Oprah Winfrey wore my cheese hat. Richard Branson has worn my cheese hat. I've had NBA stars wear my cheese hat. And the coolest thing is that in my school, if you have 30 days of perfect attendance, you too can wear the cheese hat. And I have 97% daily attendance in one of the most challenged school districts in all of America. So a $10 hat has a big answer. And everybody likes the cheese hat. Hello, Trademark. Another question. Hi. Um, so if one was planning to implement this in a school or start a school um, on the same model, how, do you take the curriculum and, and then see how... Um, the farming would fit into the various standards of the curriculum? or how Great question. That? So I am not an after-school program, although I started. I am a build-in. I don't put gardens in school. 
I wrapped the entire school around a garden. So the art and science of growing vegetables aligned to Common Core, Next Generation Science Standards, P21, IB curriculum across every single content area and subject is what I do. So I grow vegetables, but my vegetables really grow school performance. And literally every single thing that happens in that garden day to day is reflected in that curriculum. So the children are learning ratios, fractions, proportions around seed propagation. They're learning ordinal directions around creating gardening guides. I love to farm outdoors, but that's limited to seasonality. So my farms are indoors in a classroom using 90% less water, 90% less space, 365 days a year. Also, a lot of children and a lot of parents don't want to farm. So the notion of being in the field or outside for a lot of reasons doesn't appeal to them. But when you put a farm in the middle of a classroom and can do a handheld device attached to it, that is awesome sauce. I like to say I go from a box to a garden in 45 minutes if you're a man or 15 minutes if you're a woman because you'll read the directions and watch the video. But that gets it done. Um, that gets it done, and it's indoors because, you know, school should be about school. But if we can get collateral health and wellness benefits around that while growing something greater, it's awesome sauce. Can I widen the question out a bit, though? Should there be any educators here who are interested in implementing this program, how do they get in touch with you or with the organization to get to find out how to do it? So we are shamelessly self-promoting, thus the T-shirt. Um, Green Bronx Machine, you can write to us at info at greenbronxmachine.org. I will be partnering with KHDA, uh, Dr. Abdullah and team are wonderful friends and colleagues. And they get it. And that's the beauty of Dubai. Because here in Dubai, we are preparing children not for a, uh, a life of tests, but for the test of life, as Dr. Abdullah says. And that, to me, is near and dear, that we can literally grow something greater. Does anybody else have another question? You first, please, I'm madam. just wondering, after all this publicity, if you've managed to get some windows in your school by now. Uh, so, you know, it's, that's a very good question. I've gotten a lot of publicity, but it really hasn't translated into funding. Right. Um, which is kind of sad. I'm very disruptive, and I do a whole lot with a whole little. Uh, my wife is here. We're literally an army of two. I've done all of this with my wife and I, our daughter, and really people power, students. But that's a really good thing to know yeah. um, because, you know, in this day and age where economics seem to be king, it's really about capacity. So I'm hoping, you know, people like my story and we'll see what happens. I hate to say this, we are running out of time, but I did promise a question to a young lady sitting there. When you were younger, did you have the idea of doing what you do now? Not the slightest. That's such a great question. I'm still waiting for the New York Knicks to call me back to play professional basketball. <laughs> now, it really may not happen. I've served them notice that this is the last year I'll contemplate an offer. But the beauty of life is that sometimes you fail um, because I'm probably the most successful failure you'll ever meet, sweetie. But the most important thing is I'm incredibly resilient. So I like to say you can fall up the ladder of success and have a great time along the way. Passion, purpose, and hope are my secret sauce. One blind leap of faith is also like my last stretch, you know, kind of do. But if you fail, it's okay because you can dust yourself off and you're one step closer to a home run. Um, what is your goal right now? Like, apart to, like, change schools, what's your goal? World domination. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> what's my, my goal is literally to inspire the next generation of young people like you to become teachers, leaders, readers, and authors. And it all starts with this whole notion behind Emirates Lit Fest, for the love of words. Let me tell you a story. 
I believe each and every child in this room is a story, a seed waiting to be planted and a crop waiting to be nourished. And I want all of you to go out there and reach your God-given genetic potential and be the biggest, brightest flower you ever imagined being and tell your story. Because if I can tell mine and inspire you, imagine how many people in this room can get out and inspire others and change the world. So uh, I dream of a world with no war. I dream of a world of no peace, with peace <laughs> and, no, and no walls. And that's really what gets me up in the morning. And I hope to see it before I die. And if not, I will have died trying. But I have faith that you guys are going to get me one step closer to the finish line. So thank you for that great question. Hey, you've, um, you've, you've changed the world already. Thank you to this man who has met popes and presidents and who is changing the world one kid at a time through lettuce. Who knew? Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Ritz. Lettuce, turn up the beat. <laughs>